Hello and howdy, this is the Hair in the Hole Vibe, a Trent Grimm podcast. I'm Lou. And I'm Alt. And um, as always, a reminder that this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We are talking about the latest episode um, of Ted Lasso and um, about everything that's going to come. Should we start talking about something completely unrelated to Trent Grimm? And just... Sure. <laughs> talk about the huge bisexual elephant in the room <laughs> hell yeah i mean it does relate to trent because this means that our sort of hope for more than like a single que- canonically like queer character is um already coming true i'm i'm just blown away because that whole episode i was sitting there watching every single one of kiddies and jack's interactions yeah. And I was like, I see it. I am not delusional, am I? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I have eyes. I see what's happening yeah. here. But I, I, until it happened, especially with what we are used to from television, like sure, women, like female characters, tend to make jokes like, "Oh, women are so hot," and I would hook up with a woman. Like it's always just jokes. They never want to like have a queer woman in their show, so they always like um, make it a joke that they can pretend was not actually a serious statement if pressed for it but they actually took these jokes that keely does makes in season one and it's like no no we were dead serious about those this woman Mm -hmm. is bisexual here you go this is like no one can deny it now anyone who ever would have said hey those were just jokes she's not bisexual fuck them yeah i mean they were just jokes in the way that sometimes uh you know um, people who are not fully out joke yeah, about being exactly. queer just to test it's the like words. the it's the what is it called like that that the plausible deniability that's the one yeah yes. that, that's 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 what that was in mm-hmm. season one but no longer now we have yeah. two fully confirmed not just hinted not just joke fully confirmed queer characters that means there's a there mm-hmm. no three i mean jack counts <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that just opens the doors for them to like go all out. Mm-hmm. So many characters could be queer, including hopefully. This really did raise my hope for Trent. Mm-hmm. It feels like I've been watching this show and been rewarded for my unhinged behavior in like <laughs> twenty mm-hmm. years of watching other shows. <laughs> it really feels like that. that weren't there, and suddenly this show was like, "Oh yeah, you've seen right. It is there." Hell yeah. So, Who's, who's to say that that's not going to be the case for Trent and maybe more? Exactly, exactly. All right, I think that that happily brings us back to wonderful Trent Krim, who this podcast yeah. is about. I mean, wonderful <laughs> Trent Krim with his wonderfully rainbow. Um, <laughs> it is cute, mug. I mean, to be fair, it's not a rainbow mug in the sense that it's a pride mug. It's a Snoopy mug from the 50s. And the rainbows are just sort of, you know, the vibe of the mug. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is, I mean, listen, if I was sort of a set designer and like a props person, and I have a character who is definitely gay, but like there hasn't been a statement on it yet. This is the mug I would choose to communicate mm-hmm. that. But hey, <laughs> it's also a mug that James Lance has, and it's unclear whether James brought his own mug or if he stole his mug from the set. Unclear which mm-hmm. direction that went. Or like a third option that he um, had this mug as Trent, and then he was kidding so hard that he went to the store and bought himself the same mug. I don't also know. Also possible. Also possible. 
I think the uh, the mug showed up in the interview he did with Natalie Fisher. Oh yeah, who's um, still very much invited to this podcast if she's listening. Yeah. And I th- I just thought it was funny because um, Natalie asked asked this question if um, James Lance was allowed to take any of the costumes from set, like the leopard print shoes, and he says no, but. Then also, the <laughs> why he's holding cool. the mug? And he's holding it very specifically <laughs> into the camera. So I was like wondering um, if that was a little inside joke. Yeah, I, I mean it's the same with the pen. <laughs> he has the same uh, Muji pen that Trent writes with. Unclear whether it's just because. I mean, to be fair, I also have a Muji pen that I didn't steal from anywhere, but like, <laughs> um, you can just buy them. But it's unclear whether he bought it or took it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or brought it to the set. Maybe he really is putting a lot of himself into the character by just bringing <laughs> his own shit to the props department. Yeah, I would love that in a way. I think that would be very funny of him, you know, making him the most most trend girl of all the trend girls and like the mug stands out so hard because like during the scenes where it features he wears like really dark like almost monochromatic outfits so it really stands out that he's holding this incredibly bright rainbow mug and it's so small too so you also notice it because you're like that's a really small mug (laughs) yeah it's not only that he himself is usually like dressed very darkly but uh, the whole like we've talked about this before the whole yeah the whole thing yeah so desaturated and the colors are so muted yeah and especially in this setting of the of the manager's office where everything Mm -hmm. Like dark and then beige and then Richmond blue, it stands out so much. It had to be like such a deliberate choice to put that there, like mm-hmm. first on his desk. And when that was too subtle, he took the mug and came uh, like <laughs> yeah. into the room with it and held it. I mean, and then dropped it. But, I like. I like this concept that this whole season is like super desaturated on purpose, and then the pride stuff like. Pride yeah. is famously colorful. Like that's all of that is going to be really bright and colorful and saturated again, like mm-hmm. pride flags and stuff. And that was like our first hint that that is going to be what turns sort of everything around this, you know, embracing mm-hmm. queer people is yeah. going to be what turns this drab mood that's currently hanging over the show around. Yeah. Oh, that would be beautiful. And also, um, we're, we're probably. Love saves the about- day. <laughs> Yeah, like we, we're gonna talk about Amsterdam later probably, but yeah, also the 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 fact that we're gonna see probably Van Gogh's art um, that's mm. like famously brightly famously colored, beautiful, colorful. Um, yeah. So and with the time, I mean, I know you just said we're gonna talk about it later, but the episode is actually called Sunflowers instead mm-hmm. of what was originally published. Um, every disadvantage has its advantage. So mm. it's a, I mean, it it has got to be a Van Gogh reference, and we're mm. going going to see the beautiful sunflowers, and it's going to have some sort of significance. I'm very excited to see that. Yeah, let's get back into chronicle order. His first scene in the episode was absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. Him sitting there in his, I don't know what to call it. It's like just completely gray. The outfit, the entire outfit is just mm-hmm. gray. But then the sleeves rolled up, like his slutty little number, I like to call it. And just stretching, yeah. like he's just eye candy in that moment. He's just observing as usual, very intently. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely, it killed me. It was just, 
so beautiful with his rainbow mug on his desk. Oh yeah, and I, is it just me or does he really try to capture the spirit of both Redford and like Dustin Hoffman <laughs> in um, <laughs> all the presidents? Man, because like this that is exactly there. what I I thought too. Like yeah. the moment he appeared stretching there, I was like, oh, just like. Robert Redford would sit in all the president's <laughs> men which isn't like I don't think you could have like a direct screen cap reference or anything like I don't think that exists but like I saw this man in this outfit especially with like the sleeves rolled up and everything yeah. like sitting at his desk with his pen and I was like ah just like Bob mm -hmm. Woodward played by Robert Redford and all the president's yeah. men I get it like that really got to his head this compliment and he was like fully embracing <laughs> yes Oh yeah, I at least that's uh, how I um, that's how, decided yeah. to interpret. Yeah, it. we both interpreted that way. That's that means it's yeah. true. <laughs> and and also like an additional layer with Trent like rolling up his sleeves. That's literally um, the most we've seen him. Like he is, um, you know, <laughs> go on <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Like, I mean, he also didn't wear a tie in that outfit or anything. It was just yeah. removing layers. <laughs> he sometimes wears a tie, sometimes doesn't. But um, in that scene specifically, he's so he seems so open. Like he leans mm -hmm. back, it, like exposing his tummy, like a little kitten would do <laughs> when yeah. they drop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's getting comfortable. That is true. Yeah. Like he's comfortable. He um, he's really enjoying this environment. It's so fun. Like he sits there in his little I don't know glass terrarium <laughs> like, you know, in, in his office uh, watching um, yeah. watching all the coaches um, and their funny banter I don't know it feels like he has the time of his life like there's so much oh, yeah. enrichment in his enclosure <laughs> I mean, it, that is the next scene but he says it himself he is just an observer right now I mean he he thinks he's just an observer let's be real he never has just fully been an observer but he even says it himself I'm just an observer I'm not going to interfere he, which is so funny because literally he interfered so hard in the last episode yeah I mean literally just before interfering he he says that it's lovely wonderful um but I mean that is also another thing we all understood that he's supposed to be an observer by the way that they you know presented it but once again Trent chooses to tell instead of show which we've mm -hmm. talked about with like during the early episodes of this podcast mm -hmm. when we talked about the other seasons that Trent always takes this role of like saying things that shows normally don't say directly and just show you mm -hmm. and once again he says directly I'm the observer which is an insane mm -hmm. thing for a person to say but yeah. it's like you know he's aware of his role as a character or his supposed role as a character and yeah. it again plays into this narrator thing like mm -hmm. he's fully aware that he's not supposed to be part of the story he's supposed to tell the story but mm -hmm. I mean obviously he cannot escape the narrative <laughs> of course fully he, he can't he's part of it but the interesting thing is him saying he's just an observer, he's not going to interfere and then already having interfered and oh, then <laughs> just seconds later interfering again, he's becoming like an unreliable narrator. Oh yeah, oh he always you has know, been, hasn't he? He <sighs> um, spins his own story um, the way he thinks he should, but it's not true. The thing is, he thinks he's just, like he really wants to be just an observer, but he he's the one who makes the noises to be paid attention to because it mm -hmm. also those noises absolutely killed me it was adorable <laughs> as fuck he's just sitting there like, yeah like, absolutely he's suffering when he can't 
participate when yeah. he can't speak his mind like that mm -hmm. is who he is we i mean mm -hmm. he spent his whole life being this reporter who asks the tough questions and who has the strong opinions and now suddenly he's supposed to stay quiet and not say anything yeah. he can't do it he can't do it he sits there yeah. makes noises until someone asks him if he would like to maybe <laughs> partake in the conversation and he's like no no i shouldn't but if you're already asking like he actually he can't resist it he yeah he has to participate here and it's going to be I, I think the next episode is going to be the one where it's like finally gonna really blow up and he's gonna be part of the story whether he wants to or not mm -hmm. and I've been wondering like he does that in the scene where they talk about where north is he already makes a little funny noise <laughs> and then he does so again when they're discussing tactics and I'm really wondering like do the these noises just slip out or does yeah he make I think intentionally? I think this is truly he can't keep it in like he really yeah. wants to talk so badly but he knows he shouldn't but he's like uh, but it's really it's such a funny character detail for this guy yeah because <laughs> we've never seen him like this before he always had the chance to just talk and now he's mm -hmm. keeping he's trying to keep quiet but failing <laughs> miserably yeah that was beautiful especially because like the second time he made a little noise that was after coach beard's um comment about dancing in a strip club called mad <laughs> city in college trent is being subjected to so much insanity yeah so <laughs> i mean it really is like this man came to like allegedly write about the club and he spends all of his time in this manager's office where this is the kind of information he's given like, this is absolutely yeah. useless for writing a book but he he's absolutely he loves this he, he loves being uh -huh. part of this and i hope that he he finally gets to be part of it the way that he clearly would enjoy mm -hmm. to be because as soon as they get him to talk he like jumps up and approaches them and he's just happy to be included yeah yeah but also still about the circling back to the man city strip club <laughs> i i have a specific obsession with that because the the first time i saw it i was immediately like oh my god did we get just get a confirmation that beard danced in a like gay strip club but that's not never specified but no. that's just what i assume because it's called man city and that's yeah. i don't know to me a place for like a gay strip club it's it could i mean i think they did that on purpose Mm -hmm. that they didn't specify although maybe they were like if we don't specify that means it's for women but i don't know um mm -hmm. it, it could still be i mean beard is like we know that there's a lot going on with that guy that yeah. we are never told so absolutely mm -hmm. he could have danced at a gay strip club a hundred percent look at him absolutely yeah and i i don't think we'll ever get any kind of <laughs> no, no. direction on that uh -uh. <laughs> of this show um but you know the 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 way that Trent reacted makes me think maybe Trent thought the same thing. As yeah. Michael. Like maybe he was wondering was that again? Yeah, it's the same phenomenon as when Collins starts saying stuff where he's just like, "I know what you are." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and and that's interesting to me because like Trent is sitting there in his office with his rainbow mug and he knows about Colin and he's not talking to anybody about Colin and he knows the culture of football. And then there are these bunch of men in the manager's office <laughs> who have no regards for the culture of football and the way you're yeah. you're supposed to be in your sexuality and stuff like that. Because even if it is a straight strip club for a football coach, it's yeah, it's still a lot. Yeah, in a, in a strip club that is still sexually so non-normative. <laughs> 
yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, I mean, that is the whole thing of the show, isn't it? Like the toxic masculinity and everything and fighting that and fighting back. And that's why the this coming out arc is going to be so important because that is ultimately what it comes down to with this toxic masculinity culture. But I mean, putting Trent in the middle there and having all of these queer character confirmations, I mean, I really feel like we're working towards a gay trend finally, oh, yeah. like sort of helping this along. Yeah, finally, like, my one fear that I had is, um, like, dwindling more and more. And I think next week, finally, we're going to know. I really hope so. I really, really hope that he's that, that they don't pull a 180 on us and make him like, oh, I'm ally. Like, please, I would no, die. I would stop the podcast. Be. I would not come back. <laughs> not after everything that happened so far. I've... Uh... Okay, try try not, not to set myself up for failure, but I'm uh, well. One last thing I wanted to say about the the uh, you know that scene with the gay mug, um, <laughs> the the monkey noises, the monkey and what is... James Lance's beautiful reactions to He's it. He's so good at reacting, and it's <sighs> this was such a classic like lasso rope in with the monkey noises like that is what they did to Roy getting him to be part of the diamond dogs like this very loose and very um playful way of mm -hmm. engaging with each other that is such a like Ted Lasso thing and such a this pe this group of people thing and mm -hmm. it's very sweet that they get Trent to be part of the group the way that Ted does it with everyone with mm -hmm. these silly little uh, bits and yeah. i mean it also i think it's a really nice touch that you know they don't settle for like he's an observer mm -hmm. even though yeah. any everyone except for ted didn't want trent to be there they are fully down to just roping trent into this whole mess mm -hmm. and this whole bit that they do yeah and it's interesting because um, for a while now nobody has told Trent to not put that in his book. Yeah, um, it's been a while, so, yeah. Yeah, I think people are getting way more comfortable with him around because, like, he has proven himself now, um, also with the um, security camera stuff, that yeah. he's not there to take them down, he's there to help. Yeah. He's, he's gained a, level, a new level of trust um, from them, and also um, that they all get into that... <laughs> Um, monkey noises thing is so beautiful because like that's Ted's way of communicating like he tension yeah. out of a situation by making himself the most embarrassing person in the room so yeah. that whatever follows is going to be much easier and I love that um, everybody's just in on that even Roy like even, even Roy, Roy yeah. doing those noises and that's so great yeah it's, it's really sweet and there's also this moment later on where Higgins and Trent walk into the locker room mm -hmm. and it was such to me it struck me as such an incredibly strange moment because they walked in like two parents who are like about to yeah. break some news to their children I was like what the hell is this but it just you know Higgins was on his way to the locker room to deliver some you know message and mm -hmm. you know he at one point he ran into Trent and they talked and they came here together like it's a nice touch to communicate that Trent is starting to get along with everyone and mm -hmm. being included 
Although it was incredibly funny seeing him to stand there and like make very serious acknowledging faces without saying a single <laughs> word again it was very he he looked so lost. Like the moment he stepped into the locker room, he realized I should be, I should have probably kept walking or some shit. And now I'm standing here because <laughs> he looked so lost there mm-hmm. with this especially because this book in his hand open, yeah, hiding where he's standing. Like he was, mm-hmm. it was really trying. It was interesting because like I've thought about that in the last couple of episodes as well. Like what moments do they choose for Trent to be there? Like when mm-hmm. do we see him and when don't we see him? We usually don't see him during the games. That's an established thing. We saw him once during a game <laughs> wearing that beautiful coat of his. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that's a time where we usually don't see him. We sometimes see him in the locker room, but usually that's not where he's at. He's usually in his little like last box <laughs> office um, in Nate's previous place. Yep. Um, and so it's very deliberate every time he's there um, when he's not in that place. And I think like dramaturgically, he just had to be there because he's there to witness the Ted Lasso effect. And yep. so he had to be and there. For speech. That. Yeah. But yeah, the way he stands there, <laughs> so you know, legs crossed. So lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it really, I feel like because they've always put Trent like there's very few scenes where Trent is there and Ted isn't like this theory mm-hmm. that he's secretly or inadvertently just writing about Ted rather than just the club mm-hmm. as a club is like mm-hmm. it feels very real because he's always there to witness some significant Ted moment yeah but it's still like you said it the way he walks in with Higgins, he's starting to make connections with other people oh, yeah. there that are not Ted. And you, you can really see him, uh, you know, becoming a part of this uh, family in, in a way that probably he himself doesn't expect. expect. Like, that's why he's standing there so awkwardly. Like, he <laughs> doesn't know what his part is. Also, here. it really calls back to the moment when he came in and was like introduced as, hey, he's you know, here writing a book and everyone absolutely fucking murdered him on the spot. It was the same framing, except this time he was, you know, part of this moment, this mm-hmm. positive moment and wasn't being told to fuck yeah. off by Danny Rojas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and he even stands there, like you said, with his notebook open, yep. and not writing a thing, like a, he's not <laughs> writing a single thing that whole scene. No. He's just standing there watching this unfold. Because he, he, I don't know, he's kind of captivated. Yeah, yeah. No, by... he is, though, because I paid attention during my last rewatch. And the moment Ted finishes his speech, yeah. he takes this really, like, he just remembered to breathe again. Like, he was mm-hmm. completely captivated by that once again, yeah. as he usually is by Ted. Completely mm-hmm. captivated. And, like, the moment Ted stopped speaking, he was like, oh, yeah, right. I'm Oh, oh God. Like, he collected himself again. Like, yeah. he really did forget to write anything down. Mm-hmm. He was too captivated. <laughs> And then after this, like after Ted is done speaking, he starts writing, and it's cool yeah. because like he writes uh, with uh, Higgins looking over his shoulder, and like he, he, they're talking while Trent takes notes. It's yeah. uh, you know, it's the kind of the opposite of what we had probably talked about before. Like, wouldn't it be funny if nobody ever got to look into um, like Trent's notes? And, uh, yeah. No, maybe it's all full of heart doodles. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but he's really so open, um, like towards Higgins, who we don't know what their relationship is at no. that point. 
we don't know how much they talk. Maybe they go on lunch breaks and eat Caesar salad together as well. We that would be cute. But they seem very familiar. And like, it seems like kind of a small intimate moment that uh, Higgins would be there watching uh, Trent taking notes and like commenting on that. Yeah. It was very smart. We skipped something that I... We skipped a couple of things that I actually yeah. also wanted to talk about. You go first. The moment that um, Ted gets this text from Michelle about yes. uh, Henry and the bullying incident. Yes. Um, Trent is the first one to ask if yep. Ted is okay. And that, Cannot stay out. Yeah, on one hand, it's just like, you know, he's nosy as fuck. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> but also, it's kind of sweet that he shows yeah. concern. And he and pays he's... attention to Ted. Like, he notices. I mean, anyone could have asked that. Beard could have. Mm-hmm. I, Beard has asked this often during this show. Um, mm-hmm. But they gave this one to Trent for a change. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very nice touch. Mm-hmm. Especially because Trent then was the only one who didn't weigh in on how to deal yeah. with bullies. That was, I was hoping so hard because James Lance has this entire elaborate backstory for how much Trent got bullied as a child. And then mm-hmm. I fully expected this to be the moment where he's like, you know what I did? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Silence. He's not ready. That's no, fine. yeah, he'll get there. We will get that. I'm, I'm keeping a positive <laughs> outlook on that. I think in that moment he thought about it, but he didn't feel like um, he should uh, participate in that uh, okay. conversation. So also, after Roy spoke up, I also would have not said anything <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I also like a lot of people are like, oh, that was like Roy being like this aggressive and like really going into this fantasy of beating someone up and Mm -hmm. Trent dropping his mug was like sort of a gay panic thing or whatever but Mm -hmm. we gotta remember Trent used to be Roy's bully yeah that felt very much like a bit of payback from Roy because he was fully aware that Trent is aware that he used to be Roy's bully in a way Mm -hmm. so I think he did that on purpose to like scare the fucking living shit out of this man for a second and it worked yeah like Trent saw his life flash before his eyes I uh, I like both options I like I can fully see uh like Trend being scared because like James Lance has talked about um how scary he finds Brett's acting um <laughs> like, that he didn't even have to act um shocked yeah. or scared when um when uh, Brett Goldstein was yelling his name it could just be that but I also am a full supporter of the theory that um you know we can um, <laughs> mark Trent down as both scared and horny yep. <laughs> um, and then what I also thought, like, yes, he used to be, uh, like, Trent used to be Roy's bully. But if we really believe that Trent being bullied himself is not just a part of um, James Lance's elaborate headcanon, then that could be something, uh, you know, as well, where Trent sees Roy as, yes, very aggressive, like, heavily aggressive, scarily aggressive, but also... Um, you know, dealing with bullies um, in a way that Trent probably never could himself. Like, he just yeah. Um, yeah. pulled himself back and just vanished in the library <clears throat> and uh, never, like, tried to interact with these people, according to James Lance. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so to see someone um, like Roy, who's this, you know, very scary person, um, actively going against the bullies, like, 
kind of becoming a bully himself. You know, that's a parallel to Trent, but in a way that like puts all that aggression outwards instead of like keeping it in. I think that's a very interesting Roy and Trent moment uh, there. Yeah. In general, I think they have a really fun bond. Mm-hmm. One thing I did not have on, on my season three bingo, of course, was um, Roy and Trent as a ship. But I do enjoy them so much. Yeah, it's really fun. Also, we see um, on on Trent's desk a photo that it, I mean... I think it goes very far to say this is definitely his child because you it's very hard to make out anything in that photo. But mm-hmm. I think it's fair. I mean, you see one shape, one person, mm-hmm. which looks more like a child than an adult, I mm-hmm. think. So I, I also think this is like really helpful for our uh, trend as a single gay dad brain rod because it's just mm-hmm. a photo of his child. Not yeah. of a wife, a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a family, mm-hmm. an extended family. It is a photo of a single child that, mm-hmm. and no other photo. So it really speaks to the like he is alone with this child theory that he has. Mm-hmm. This is the only thing he put on his desk. I missed that when I first watched it. And I only noticed it when people on Tumblr started pointing it out. And I got so excited and then I went into the scene, scene and I had stopped and stopped and stopped and rewound and stopped again. I, I had to take such a long time to finally get a frame where I could see that. And even then it's still hidden like half behind the blind yeah. um, and behind the window. And it's so mean of them. Just show me the little girl, please. I want to see her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really wonderful because I think once we're going to see her, it's going to be really amazing. Like they're going to, they're building up to it. I hope. I really sincerely hope. Um, and it's going to be a very wonderful moment, I think. Yeah. It feels like she's going to be there at some point um, just because like this could just be nice, uh, you know, background decorations stuff but they have reminded us in several ways that Trent does have a daughter um, and she's important to him she's so important to him that uh, he puts a picture of her um, on his desk in a place where he like tries to share as little about himself as possible so yeah it feels like this is not just decoration it's actually working up to like something and I'm sad that it's probably not going to be next episode. No. That's where we're going to be in Amsterdam. Uh, but um, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, I I, mm. I feel even if the little Krimlet doesn't show up next yeah. episode, we're going to have enough to talk about. Ooh, yeah. Again, this episode is a lot like last episode where nothing really progressed Trent's story enough for us to like get into the brain rot very deep. Mm. But it's all preparing. Like, this is all mm-hmm. important groundwork building for what's coming, as we expect, next episode mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. Because yeah. this whole thing of him being an observer, like, they really put a lot of effort into establishing that and then to then, like, very dramatically rip him out of that observer role and throw him into the story fully. Oh, I think that's what Amsterdam going to be, like, really... Yep. Um, not leaving anyone out. Just everybody has to get in there and uh, experience the most amazing like um, trip, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, the, as the episode description says, a lot of stuff's going to be revealed. Yes, yes. And it is going to be about Colin for sure, but I have high hopes that it's going to be like revelation 
conversations um, about several characters yes. in several ways. And, and also, so hopefully, fun. next episode we get my long-awaited Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid reference. It's hard yeah. to say. I mean, the songs aren't separated by episodes on the mm-hmm. soundtrack, so it could technically be for the episode even after that because there's mm-hmm. a lot of songs that already definitely have to belong to the next one because they're Dutch um, mm-hmm. but I really 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 hope that with this being the bike capital of the world the song yeah. being about well the song is about riding a bike but the song is on mm-hmm. top of a bike riding scene like I really <laughs> really 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 hope for it so bad yeah. I mean I counted it's five songs there could definitely be five they songs could fit five in there because mm-hmm. some songs are probably just going to be like playing in like the club or whatever like mm-hmm. something like that like the way that in the last episode wake yeah. up before you go go was just playing in the car like yeah that that was so rude by the that way. was so I, mean <laughs> i had so many speculations about yeah. what character and what scene that would be about and then it's nope. just about anastasia driving off with her yeah. friends yeah, but um, I yeah I looked at the at the song uh, list again, and it's first a Dutch song, then a gay song, then another iconic eighties gay song, um, then another Dutch song, and then it's um, raindrops keep falling on my head. So I think I think the chances are good. I just hope it's not just gonna be like playing over the credits, and that's mm-hmm. just it. Because also weird <laughs> what what and, would the what would the message be here having that song yeah. play be the credit song because the credit songs usually say something about the episode and like the final moments um but hey yeah. hey uh. it, it could be the credits and then the final moment is <laughs> or two people what a, what a fun fun way to end what's probably one of the most heart-wrenching episodes yeah, <laughs> just people um, driving riding around on their bikes hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either either um we're gonna get original score or we get the Brian Eno um instrumental yeah. that's just after Raindrops before. Most likely head. actually. <laughs> Which is interesting because like most of the songs before are you know, the vibes are funny and upbeat. Um I mean, Raindrops Keep Falling My Head, especially, oh. is such an uplifting song. It's also so Ted, you know, it's about being optimistic oh, even yeah. when it's raining. Um, I mean, the song in the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is like famously absolutely out of place. Like the whole scene mm-hmm. with the song completely out of place. But because the studio was like, we're not doing the movie unless you have like a cute scene in there. And they're like, fucking great. Okay, fine. Yeah. Like you have to have an upbeat song and like a funny scene in there or else we're not doing the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could therefore be used in sort of this intentional like opposite way like it's playing mm-hmm. but the scene is actually not at all very cute and funny um who yeah. knows that could be it but i i mean that it could also be like in butch cassidy you know a sweet <laughs> moment um yeah. i would like that whole like messy episode especially because like we said so before uh, the scene is uh, the, the episode is called sunflowers uh, probably after the famous van gogh painting um like he did many paintings of sunflowers but yeah, uh, serious, you know, yeah. um, they they go to uh, the Fango Museum from behind the scenes filming we know that um, they filmed there um, this is very likely also because uh, Fango famously de- dealt with um, mental illness and um, a lot about the sunflowers is 
you know, contextualized now in a way that we have these paintings because uh, Van Gogh was supported by friends and family. Um, and they are these beautiful, beautiful statements um, of how um, the world can be a, like a bright and wonderful place, even when you struggle. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, so, yeah, I think we're going to go into like a lot of mental it's, illness um, talks. It's going to be episode. heavy. Yeah. I mean, we have Colin and we know that Trent is going to finally talk to Colin about knowing this is going to be like pretty rough. We have the Van Gogh, thing, which it's hard to say. We, we don't I don't think we know which characters filmed in the Van Gogh Museum, but like it would make sense for Ted with his, you know, his with his mental health and uh, his father's suicide. And I yeah. just, I for one, cannot wait for yet another TV show to give me a Van Gogh museum scene that absolutely wrecks me for the rest of my life. <laughs> wait, which is Thank you, one? Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor Who, of course, yeah. Can't um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be good. But but especially in like in that context, I believe it's so necessary to have these fun moments in there. Um, and the that, show really does do that pretty reliably. Yeah. So even we'll... though the worst episodes always there's always something fun there i mean worst in the sense of most depressing and most like emotionally taxing not like yeah. bad. none I... of the episodes are bad literally literally with season two episode 10 that they make me cry and laugh and stop mm -hmm. over a fucking rig roll that's yeah. what the like is brilliant and like and... it's a brilliant show yeah so um i'm gonna prepare um like for watching that with a box of tissues <laughs> and some chocolate for yeah comfort. but also i know it's good like this show has got us like it will um it will deliver make it bearable <laughs> yeah yeah my last my last notice uh does uh ted talk about trend you know what we just discussed oh, yeah, we just talked about this like it's it's you brought it up because when he talks to michelle he only mentions telling roy and beard mm -hmm. about the bullying incident and mm -hmm. even though Trent was there and mm -hmm. sure he talked about it as in like their reaction was and Trent's mm -hmm. reaction wasn't that he wasn't like part of this like oh we're going to go there and beat up this bully like okay fine but mm -hmm. it does I mean it does make us wonder does Ted yeah. talk about Trent does he mm -hmm. think about Trent when he's not there and I think that is going to be like very important eventually whether or not trend is on people's minds mm -hmm. i mean not even trend because we've seen that in this episode specifically that ted is just very focused on his own stuff yeah. like Sava quits the team and quits the whole sport and Ted doesn't <laughs> yeah. even mention it until Ooh. someone reminds him hey by the way this guy left and I know this is an absolute sidetrack. It has nothing to do with Trent or anything, but I mean, Zava left suddenly to take for his family, saying like, "I have to focus on the things that I care about and love." Like that is how we all expect it to go for Ted, who will yeah. one day get up pretty unannounced, like nobody knows it's happening, and just leave and go back to Kansas to be with his son because he feels like that's what he should do. And it was very fascinating to witness that arc with a different character, and it makes me very curious why they did that. Like, was it foreshadowing? Yeah. Is it like, is it just reinforcing the thought in, in Ted's mind, like, oh yes, we all should do what, what we love and like take care of our loved ones, and he thinks that that's sort of 
a more reason for him to leave like what i mean or the opposite of that um watching zava leave and it's kind of a selfish dick move um yes, exactly. so maybe uh, ted will think well i'm not going to do that i'm not going to abandon them so, yeah, exactly like, because imagine ted leaving now and and people like danny and others they're they're already like they have abandonment <laughs> abandonment I mean... issues exactly that's it right because this show very clearly just told us doing that fucked up <laughs> kind of mean mm-hmm. don't do that that's like i mean sure mm-hmm. if if you think that you should you know spend your time with your family and not following your career or whatever that's like fine but you don't mm-hmm. just abandon the people who relied on you and yeah i think that like there is definitely something there about you know ted considering doing exactly that and you know mm-hmm. it being very clearly framed as a negative thing yeah i did i did find it very interesting um that in the last scene that uh, zava has with the team he talks so much about believing he says he's not someone who believes he is someone who knows and ted is famous famously someone who believes <laughs> yeah. and there is a difference to them because zava is someone like he's introduced by oh yeah he joins teams and then he wins them a couple of trophies and then he leaves and the team is in shambles um he makes the teams dependent on him and then he leaves and ted does the opposite we see more and more in the season um how much this team has already incorporated his messages and how well they handle situations on their own because ted has taught them so mm-hmm. well so of course Ted leaving is not the same as Zava leaving, even no. if he does so completely unannounced. Um, and I thought that was a very interesting bringing it not back. Not trend related, but I <laughs> I feel like we should probably talk about it because I still yeah. fully believe that Trent's book has something to do with why Ted eventually stays, mm-hmm. um, or at least finds another solution that isn't just straight up leaving forever. So. Um, we should just mention occasionally that this is still the standing, <laughs> the standing theory here. Yeah, but bringing it back to the question of does uh, Ted think about Trent or talk to Trent mm. much um, outside of what we see? I think at the moment he doesn't because mm. he doesn't think much about anything Anyone. else. Like even even in that scene that he has with Rebecca, you know, them meeting in the hallway and him going Rebecca and her going coach that was oh i mean that was <laughs> I saw so that fascinating. very differently than a lot of people online because to me it was like these people are not communicating with each other mm. like she's thinking about her own stuff yeah. he's thinking about his own stuff yeah. yeah they're just talking past each other and um even when uh, ted said oh um you're still sorry for yelling at me the other day i'm pretty sure that's not what rebecca was thinking about i'm pretty sure mm. what's like on her mind is higgins bringing up that ted has to leave if Man City is not a win, um, or that they should consider that. Yeah, Ted is currently not thinking about many other people, um, and that's interesting because it will take something a little bigger for Ted to snap out of that, and I think maybe um, Colin's coming out storyline could do that. And then Trent will be on his mind, probably, because Trent will be all, like, hang around in that. Um, So I can't wait to see um, how that's going to unfold. Yep. Next episode is going to be the big one. Yeah. So um, that's all we got to say for today. So thank you, uh, David Hyde, for the music, and Nicolas Salome on Tumblr for our beautiful cover art. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening and hanging out with us um 
we always appreciate your messages. We got a bunch of new ones. Um, so if you want to talk to us, uh, you can reach us on Tumblr at crimpcast.tumblr.com or you can send us an email at crimpcast at gmail.com. Because as always, we, we love, love our chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>